Amen. Amen. I'm glad that you're here today. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. What a blessing to be a part of a, a baptism, to witness that. Uh, you know, what a, what a great thing it is when we come together and worship the Lord. And, you know, I, I just got to ask the question, are you ready for some truth? I mean, we're tired of being lied to, right? I mean, we just want some truth. And, and um, you know, uh, I believe in God, the Father. I believe in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, I say that because I want you to understand that I believe that the Bible, the Holy Bible, is God's word. I believe that it is his word and it is our handbook uh, for faith and for practice. And uh, really everything that we need is, is, is in God's word. And I believe that God's word is absolute truth, that uh, it can be trusted now and forever. Scripture tells us that the word of the Lord stands forever. And um, I have a, uh, something here I want to share with you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I received a letter in the mail. This is the letter. Um, it's got no return address on it, but it's, it's made out to pastor Memorial Baptist church. And the, um, the, the stamp on the postage stamp on it is from Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. I don't know what that matters. This is honest to gosh. This is the, the true statement here inside this letter. There is a handwritten note, and it says, Pastor, please scan QR code and investigate for yourself. Okay? And there's this card in there, and it's got some scripture on one side, and it's got a little QR code on the back. And I was trying to figure out, you know, exactly what it meant, but at the back side of this card, it says, Almighty God is the returned incarnate Lord Jesus Christ of the last days has appeared in China. Yeah, it stops making a hmm. Well, you know, I, I looked at this and I, I mean, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. It's got scripture on it and, you know, um, but... So what do you do? You, you know, you, you hear something, you see something that doesn't quite reckon with everything. And then you go to God's word. The Holy Bible is our handbook for faith and for practice. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this. The one who's returning. Jesus said this. Verse 23, chapter 24. Then if anyone says to you, behold, or look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. Jesus is saying this. I have told you in advance. So that if they say, behold, he is in the wilderness, don't, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. 
For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, when he comes, when he returns, we're going to see him. It's not going to be, oh, I saw him at H-E-B, or I saw him over here, or I saw him over there. When he returns, we will see him. That's what scripture says. He says, if you hear about somebody saying, oh, there's the Christ, or oh, he's been seen over here, don't believe it. Jesus said that. He said, I have told you in advance. I mean, that's why this is our handbook for faith and for practice. When you see something that doesn't measure up with the word of God, then it's probably false. I say that because our our scripture passage today is 2 Thessalonians. And if you want to turn there, it's uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And you know... um, Paul had established this this church in Thessalonica, and these were new believers. And and, uh, in his his letter to them, he he, he described some very disturbing events uh, of the end times. And and he talks about a man of lawlessness uh, will come to power and will deceive many people. And and, uh, he will have uh, these satanic miracles, and and people will want to follow him. And so... um, Basically, uh, you know, Paul says that God will send a deluding uh, influence on them, a deceiving, a misleading influence so that they will continue to believe the lie and, and therefore come under the judgment of God. And, and what the apostle Paul is wanting to do uh, with these new believers is he's wanting them to know that they will not be a part of that great apostasy, of that great turning away Because God loves them and because God has chosen them uh, from the beginning of the world and he's chosen them for salvation and and, and God called them not for judgment, but so they could gain or share in the glory of the Lord Jesus. And, and, And I love this because such certainty does not mean that they could just kick back and, you know, coast into heaven. No, uh, they need to work. They need to stand firm in in the midst of their trials and persecutions, holding on to the apostolic teachings. And then Paul concludes this section with a prayer uh, that the Lord who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope through the gospel will comfort and strengthen their hearts for every good work and every good word. So he's trying to encourage. And so this morning, I want to encourage you in your faith. I want to encourage you in your salvation. I want to encourage you in the word of the Lord. And, and I, I know that, you know, we, we get busy, we get going on all kinds of things in our personal lives and our work and, and raising our families and everything. But I want to encourage you this morning in the word of God. And uh, let's read second Thessalonians chapter uh, two, uh, verse 13 and following God's word says this. It says, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. 
It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the gift of your word and and Father, how faithful you are to us. Father, that, that you can be trusted in all things. And Father, the truth of your word just shines forth in, in the darkness of our world, in the, in the, the lies and the, and the falsehoods that we hear every day. Your word shines through brightly. Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. I pray that you would encourage our hearts. I pray that you would strengthen our hearts. And Father, that, that we would be found in you, in Christ alone. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You know, we learn here how to stand firm in our trials. And and if you're taking notes, this is a good one. To stand firm and not fall away in your trials. Keep God's perspective with regard to eternity and time. You know, I think that's, that's very important. Because sometimes we lose perspective. We get tunnel vision in what we're doing. And we need to look up and see what God is doing. And we need, to, we need to check it out, you know, from time and eternity. You know, when I was a kid, um, sometimes I might complain about a difficulty or something being hard to do or a trial of some kind. And, and, and my mom would sometimes say this. She would say, you know, 10 years from now, you won't even remember it. And, uh, you know, while that's true enough... Um, it didn't seem to help alleviate my, um, you know, current problem. Uh, we, we want help with that. But the perspective is huge because a lot of times we focus on the, the speed bump that's in the road. But in the rearview mirror, you can't even see it. And, and, and that's why perspective is very important. Because so many times we, we have a crisis in our life and we're faced with this. And it's right here, right now. It's, it's right in front of us. And we're dealing with it. And, and yet, when we look up and we see, you know, time and eternity, what God is doing, where he's headed, where he's come from, where we've been, it's, it's, it's just a speed bump in the road. I mean, God's plan is, is, is being worked out. And so Paul takes us back in, in I want to say, past eternity, okay? He kind of sweeps us back to, to past eternity, and then he sweeps us forward into future eternity, if you will. And, and, and he helps us to, to gain God's perspective for those trials that we are going through that are momentary, that are happening right now. And so Paul makes an orderly progression of God at work in us. And I want to say this, in eternity past, God chose us, God chose you for salvation. In eternity past, you think about this, you know, um, Before the foundation of the world, he chose you and I for salvation. And then in time and at just the right moment, 
He brings his choice of us to our consciousness and makes us aware of that, of just how much he loves us. And so we accept him. But the choice for us was made way back here. But we weren't born until here. And so then once we, we recognize and he, at the right time, he, at the right moment, he brings his choice to our consciousness and makes us aware of that. And he, he chooses us. That's what it says in verse 13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Whew. Oh, man, that's some good stuff right there. He chooses us. You know, that, that the first step uh, that brought us to our eternal comfort and, and good hope is the election of God, that God chose us for salvation. And the Apostle Paul, he makes it clear here that it is an election of grace. It's grace. It's grace is God's disposition to elect for himself a people apart from any of their works. I don't deserve to be chosen for salvation. But God chose me. Apart from anything I could do for him, apart from any of my sin, apart from anything that, 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 that I would think I would put forward to be deserving of that, he chose me by his grace. And when God chose us for himself, he didn't base his choice on anything that we would or might do but solely on the gracious counsel of his will. We didn't deserve it, and we didn't do anything to merit it. He chose us. I love that. It was free. And I want to give you four wonderful aspects of this real quickly. Because he chose you because he loved you. It was because he loved you that he chose you. And you know, it, it, it's interesting because in our world, we, we think we know what love is, but, but our love is very fickle. Our love can be turned on and turned off. But what I'm saying is God chose you because he loves you. And, and, and following up with that, he chose you, but he chose you for salvation, to be saved, to be with him for all eternity. Oh, I can't think of anything better. And to be with the Lord Jesus for all eternity. And God's choosing you makes your salvation secure. It's not speculation. It's not like I hope, like wishful thinking. It makes your salvation secure because the one who spoke this world into being, the one who said, let there be light. The one who said, let the seas be parted, let, let, let the, the birds of the air, let the trees and the flowers and the fish and everything. The one who spoke it all into being is the one that chose you before the foundation of the world to save you. Folks, that is the greatest news we could ever hear. God's choosing you is, is affected or it happens through sanctification. I'm going to talk more about that. Sanctification by the spirit and, and faith in the truth. So, so recognize that he chooses us. He's chosen us. But he also calls us. Verse 14 says, and it was for this he called you 
through our gospel that you may attain, excuse me, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, he calls us and we are summoned to God through his Holy Spirit by the sound of the gospel, which we believed. I mean, how incredible is it that God's extending the gospel to our lives and it's born out of his will and his purpose? He's like, I, I want I want you to be saved. I'm calling to you. And, and I love that because it wasn't by anything that we did. No virtue of us that he calls us. And, and I like that because he, he called us and he awakened us out of the, the slumber, I want to say, of spiritual death. <laughs> you know, it's like he, he called us out of death into life. The picture that I have in my mind is of Lazarus who was buried and was in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. There wasn't anything could hold him back. He's coming forth. And you know what? When he said, Rich, come forth. There wasn't anything could hold me back. And when he called you, he called each one of us that same way from spiritual death to life. He calls us when he speaks, when he calls, we respond and we are chosen and we are called through grace. But he also says that he sanctifies us by the Holy Spirit in verse 13. See, we attain salvation. We receive salvation not as rebels, not as people who are going against God, but we receive salvation as a people who are being changed by the Holy Spirit, who are being transformed. And this transformation is what we call sanctification. It's that gradual day by day changing, becoming more like Jesus. And see, this, this day by day working out is, 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 is what it means to be chosen and called by God. It, 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 it's so incredible. Paul repeatedly affirms that this transformation is not a credit to himself, but it too is of the grace of God. It's his grace working in us. I love this because we could say this, your life is a work of grace. I'm so thankful that, that God, he, he's not saying, well, you failed me there, you failed me there, I'm not gonna work in your life today. No, what he says is he says, you're not what you used to be, but you're not quite what you ought to be. And so I'm gonna keep working and I'm gonna extend that grace to you now that you're saved, now that you're chosen, now that you're called, and now that you're growing towards Jesus, I love that. No matter how hard you work, and hard work is encouraged, the lasting fruit of labor is always because of God's grace. I mean, in, in Philippians, just a few pages back, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, he chooses us, he calls us, he sanctifies, transforms us. 
But he also gives us faith. He gives us faith. Listen, no one is saved apart from faith in the truth of the gospel. No one is saved because they've got a a good credit score. No one is saved because of how much money they have in the bank or what position they held at the, at the, you know, the, the, the local club. I'm saying that it, apart from truth in the gospel, putting our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, no one is saved. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, no one comes to the father except through me. And so it's all his grace. Wherever the Holy Spirit is at work to sanctify, there is faith. And where faith is alive, there the Holy Spirit is at work to help change and transform each of us. You see, this sanctification and faith, they they really both go together. We're sanctified, but yes, we have to have faith. And, you know, sanctification by the Spirit describes God's side of the activity. And our trust and faith in the truth of the gospel describes our side of the activity. And so nobody changes his own stance as a skeptic to become an obedient, loving child of God. It's all done by God who is the giver of faith. We can't come to him. We can't be saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 says this. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, we have believed the truth by grace. Not by our own effort, not by our own energy, not by our own will. So Paul looks back to eternity past and and, and says that the truth of God's choosing you for salvation will enable you to stand firm when the trials come in your life. Looking back and saying he chose you back here, he still is choosing you. And so when you see these trials come into your life, be sure and stand firm. Don't be, don't be um, you know, shaken by what you hear. Don't be shaken by what you see. And he also looks ahead and he says, in eternity future, this is good. God has destined you to, to gain or to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever we're going through here is just for a moment, but we've got all eternity to spend with our our Savior Jesus. I love this because he he secures our hope. And and I I think this is is amazing because Paul says that, that, that we will obtain the glory of Christ forever, which is the goal of salvation. Look at verse 14. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) 
Folks, the very best part of this is the final step of the process. That's sharing in his glory in the life to come. That hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. It's easy for us to say, well, if this is all there is. But folks, the best part hasn't even happened yet. Think about this. Today, death still reigns on planet Earth. You turn the TV on. You read about the war in, 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 in killing and bloodshed, maybe in Ukraine and other places. Death reigns because death has not been destroyed. If you doubt that, then check out the obituaries in the newspaper. I mean, there's lots of people going into the cemeteries, but there's not many coming out. I mean, you might, you might think about a resurrection, if you will, but you might be there a while because death is everywhere and it is an appointment that no one can postpone. Each and every one of us is going to die. Just let that sink in for a moment. Unless Jesus returns, we will die. But listen, your doubts, your doubts are not the end of the story. I mean, life is hard for all of us. And we all have many questions and and doubts and fears and and even worries. Even the best of, of us among us struggle with questions we can't answer. We struggle with hurts and pains that we can barely describe with words. But it's at this point that the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to our deepest needs. See, your doubts are not the end of the story. Your worries are not the end of the story. Your fears are not the end of the story. Your uncertainties are not the end of the story. Your unbelief is not the end of the story. I would say, maybe you're not a believer yet. Because when he calls, you can't turn it away. Paul is saying, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Better days are coming because Jesus rose from the dead and the grave will not have the last word. I mean, one day the children of God will exit the cemeteries once and for all. And let's be perfectly clear. We believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And therefore, one day the dead in Christ will rise and we will rise with him to meet the Lord in the air. That's what scripture says. So the best part of the story hasn't even happened yet. And we get down about it and we, we, we wonder about that. And between now and then, we're living on the edge, waiting for what God has promised. It's kind of like a TV cliffhanger, you know, where they close out the episode and they say, you need to tune in next week so you can hear the rest of the story. 
We're in that cliffhanger mode. We stay tuned, child of God, because the best is yet to come. I go back to a a hymn that we sing sometimes. The second verse of when the roll is called up yonder. It says on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory, (laughs) the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their homes beyond the skies. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I'm not going to hear about it that Jesus showed up in China. Because when he returns, he's coming back for me. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for those who have gone before. I love this because I, folks, the best part is yet to come. Stand firm. How can we be sure our salvation will really turn out in glory and not destruction? And the answer to that is the grace of God. He chose you. He called you. He, he uh, transforms you. He sanctifies you. I love this. When we're finally glorified in Jesus Christ and our salvation is complete, everything is going to line up with the grace of Almighty God. It's all Him. Nothing that we did. All about Him. From beginning to end, our salvation Our election, our calling, our faith, our sanctification, our glorification is all a work of God's grace to us. See, the reason we have eternal comfort and good hope is that our salvation is a great work of God. He's done that for us. He elected us. He called us. He sanctifies. This is the truth that we believe and it is the truth that we rest upon. Folks, because if we didn't have that, if I didn't have that hope that the best is yet to come. We may have all checked out before now. But the reality is, is God's got more in in store for us. And it gives us a great and a good hope. See, in the present and future, God is working to comfort us in the trials that we're in. To strengthen our hearts in every good work and word. You know, sometimes believers can be jumpy. A little bit jittery. Worried and uncertain. But who can blame them? I mean, you think about these things. If you watch too much TV, you're bound to get skittish sooner or later. I mean, truly, these are perilous times when it seems to us that, you know, the the economy and and the world situation seem to be constantly on edge. It seems like we're walking on the edge of a knife or or just walking on the edge of of a volcano about ready to erupt. And, you know, you think about this and no wonder so many people feel uncertain about the future. But in times like these, we need to stand fast. We need to stand firm on the sovereignty of God. And we need to hold on to the truth that's written down in the word of God. Because when the ground seems unsteady under your feet, remember what you've learned. Know what you know, what you know. When things are crazy, when things are flying out of control, know what you know, what you know. Trust in the sovereignty of Almighty God. See, more than anything else, our generation of Christians 
needs to hear the words in verse 15, where he says, stand firm. Stand firm. You know, I've come to rest my soul on a handful of biblical truths. The Bible is true. The Bible is true. God is holy, just, and good. His mercies endure forever. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. His blood cleanses me from every sin. He rose on the third day. He's now enthroned in heaven. And one day he's going to return to the earth. God who created me has a purpose for my life. All things work together for good. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. Folks, with promises like that, with truth like that, how can you not have joy? How can you not have hope? See, at the core of my faith is an unshakable belief in the sovereignty of God. He's God and I'm not. He doesn't need my permission to do anything that he wants to do in my life. He's sovereign over all the details and I can trust him completely even when these details seem to be spinning out of control. See, God knows what he's doing and he's doing it. He knows what he's doing and he's doing it. And sometimes all we can do is dig in and hold on And when trouble comes, that's probably the best thing we can do is dig in and hold on. And more than anything, our generation of Christians need to hear these words. Stand firm. Don't be shaken by the world. Don't follow after the world. Don't go chasing the world. Stand firm on on, on the rock of Christ Jesus and the word of God. Know what you know, what you know. And stay there. Now, John Piper, in a sermon, he said this. He said, the universe exists so that we may live in a way that demonstrates that Jesus is more precious than life. See, that truth doesn't answer all of our questions, but it does provide framework for the answer to prove true and strong in the worst moments of life. You know, when when, when tragedy strikes... And and when life caves in, and when your plans are dashed on the jagged rocks of reality, when you find yourself in a place you never wanted to be, that's when you discover what you really believe. I mean, as long as things are going good, you don't really know what you believe. It's all kind of Theoretical. I mean, anyone can sing to the Lord when life is good, when you have money in the bank and your your marriage is strong, your kids are doing well, you're happy with your job, you love your church, and, and all is right with the world. But if you can sing praise to God at midnight in jail like Paul and Silas, 
then what you've got is real. So you discover your theology at midnight. When it's darkest, when things are, don't look so bright. And God has solved every problem by taking care of our past, our present, and our future. So in light of that, I just want to encourage you to pray for two things. Pray for two things. Pray for an encouraged heart. Pray that God would encourage your heart. And I want to say pray for a stable heart. See, when we are encouraged, we will face those trials that come our way with hope. When your heart is stabilized, you won't be swayed back and forth by circumstances or or emotional mood swings. When things feel good or don't feel good, but you're going to be stabilized and, and, you know, the latest headlines aren't going to throw you off. A stable heart is one that is fixed on the Lord. And the mark of a stable heart is consistency. Not being here, not being there, not being all over the page. It's consistency. It's being right where he has you. You are the same person because Christ is the same no matter what happens around you. And the result of the prayer is wonderful. You'll be able to do every good work and say every good word that the Lord wants you to do and to say. And your life and your mouth will be in perfect harmony with the Lord. I'm going to invite Corey and Crystal to come back up and uh, lead us in worship some more. But I, wanna, I just want to give you this passage in a nutshell, if I might. Just, just condense it all down. This is the crux. Since God has chosen you for salvation, stand fast in all the trials of life, knowing that God will encourage you and make you strong on the inside so that your life will be filled with good works and good deeds. Folks, this is why he came. He came to save us from this there, it's all there. It all flows together. Doctrine, command, prayer. And not only will you discover what you believe in times of trouble, that's also when the world discovers what you believe. I mean, having seen the difference that Jesus makes in the worst moments of your life, that's when those around us in the world want what you have. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word.